On this week's episode of A Slice of Golf, we review this past weekend's PGA Champs, which was absolutely sensational viewing. We dive into a new game, which is going to help all of us develop more confidence and ultimately become better players on the golf course. And we run through some interesting stats about amateurs, which will help your on-course performance. As always, this episode is brought to you by Ben Fowlis, Tim Williams, and me, Chris Wright. Okay, guys, welcome along. We have an absolutely stacked show for you tonight. Um, obviously, had the major at the weekend. There's a couple of rounds in the diary for one person, a bit of practice for another, and, well, nothing for myself. Chaps, how are we getting on? Yeah, good, mate. Very, very good. Um, in terms of golf and me over the last week, uh, exclusively um, just a couple of one-ball twilight nine balls in the evening which were absolutely glorious if i'm honest i i have to kind of butt in there because your golf and exploits at the moment fascinate me because you're kind of like my guinea pig trial sort of <laughs> situation because i'm watching how you get on to see how you develop because your practice at the moment is we'll go with unconventional in that you are practicing quite a lot on the course rather than your conventional if you want to call oh, that in air quotes on the, uh, on the driving range and on the putting green. Very which... interesting. You're calling that unconventional. Yeah, see, I reckon it's a conventional way of practicing. No, I, I just, I, I just I can't think because on the, the, on the course, on the I just kind of think on the course, it's like almost a competitive zone. And I think typically practice for me has always meant driving range, chipping green. Um, mm-hmm. And I know you've you, you've been doing quite a bit recently. So how many times have you been out, Tim? Um, well, obviously twice last week. I was on holiday for two weeks before. I think I've had about five Twilight one ball nine holders now. Um, it's actually interesting you talk about the practice thing because um, so last Wednesday, I man- actually managed to bag the last tea time of the day that was available, which is an absolute massive result because obviously there's no one behind you. So um, not only can you absolutely take your time and kind of just enjoy yourself, um, if you feel the need to, there are kind of a couple of shots where you can actually play two, play play a couple of shots. So, <gasps> if, say you've hit an approach that isn't that I didn't feel, I was like, oh, okay, it's fine, but I reckon I can hit a better one than that. You've actually got the luxury of having another ball in your pocket. You can just drop down and then hit another one. And be like, yeah, I can hit one better than that. And I last Wednesday, shot. <laughs> yeah, and actually, so last Wednesday. Um, so I got to the ninth, which is, yeah, it's quite near the car park. I mean, there's actually a little bit of a walk to the car park from there. Um, and it was a par three to finish the, the front nine. And I just figured, because I think it was only about 20 past eight. So there's still plenty of light out when I finished. And I just thought, you know what, when am I ever going to get another chance just to have some on-course proper on-course practice? So I just literally, so I'd finished finish my nine holes, written my card down done i just took like five or six balls out and was just practicing chipping and pitching around the green and i was just thinking to myself when when else am i going to get an opportunity to do this so um i'm not gonna lie it's it's been absolutely brilliant i've loved it i am loving it and um as it stands i've provisionally got two nine holes in for this week but i'm probably gonna have to cancel the one on friday so i'm at on wednesday night again as it stands at the moment that is excellent. I think it's, this is where I, I somewhat envy what you've been able to do because, you know, as we've spoken about 
many, many times before, my chipping generally sucks and this part of the game lets me down. <laughs> Even practicing pre-round on the putting greens, you know, the putting greens are always, they're never quite as, as challenging as what the greens are and, and yeah. the slopes are, are out on the course. So even though you are practicing these shots, are they replicating what you really play on the course? And, and for you at the moment, have you, do you feel like you've noticed a difference? Yeah, massively. Um, just just being on course. And actually, both I, I've not really, because I'm kind of trying to get there straight after work, I don't really have a lot of time spare in between. So most of the time, I am literally turning up, checking at the pro shop and just going. Like literally, zero warm-up at all, just hitting and going on. Um, and... I've actually scored pretty well the last two uh, nine holes I've played. And I think a lot of it is is almost, I mean, obviously there's the benefit of it, it's the same course. So you kind of know your way around it and you kind of know the way that I like to play the holes. Um, that said, there are just two holes in that front nine, which are still just, I still haven't parred them and they're just doing my head in completely. Uh, <laughs> But no, I've scored. I've scored pretty well, and it's just it's just the confidence of just going out on the course and actually being like, oh yeah, actually, I've had no warmth, and I can score quite well on a golf course. I know, and that in itself is a quite a big confidence boost because, like, look, we all know this is this is this game is it is about confidence. If your confidence is shot, very rarely you're going to turn that into a good performance. Um, look at Jordan Smith in the past two years. Well, exactly. Yeah. So at the moment, um, it's just a case of just trying to get out consistently for a couple of nine holes once or twice a week. And the proof of the pudding is going to come when I play a course that's not the course that I've been practicing on and seeing how it goes there. But no, all signs, all signs look good. Um, the driving has come back, which has been a fantastic development because that went awry for about five or six weeks. But yeah, that seems to be coming back now. I think it's always, you know, it's always nicer to be out on the course in a nice warm evening than it is on a driving range, right? So yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Really kind of envious of what you've been had going on as well. I think it's yeah. that kind of stage where you go right, and Tim, you've you've been putting in a lot of work on technique, but I think there's that time where you go, you put in a lot of work on technique on the range, mm. and then you've got to manage. And we may not talk about this with with my performances this weekend. You've got to manage that transition to the course. Yeah. Like and and the only way you really get that transition to the course is by practicing on the course by playing the course, and I think yeah. that's something that I would I'd imagine we'd see your a dramatic I think we'll see a dramatic improvement with you I really do I think one of the interesting things as well is we talked a lot about um, being able to practice things like different lies different slopes mm. and the the course I play is. It has its fair few shares of yeah. Um, yeah I mean, it's, it's, on a, it's on a mountain, isn't it? <laughs> um, but it's it's just been quite interesting in terms of what it does. What what I think about distances based on different lies now. That's actually been quite an interesting development because I've now the position where um, I might have hundred let's say one hundred and fifteen to the pin, but I might be I don't know past the second cut. I might be in the rough. Previously, I'd probably think, right, 115, I know that that's my 50-degree wedge, so I'll take the 50-degree wedge, whereas now I'm thinking about it probably a bit, bit more properly, thinking like, right, yeah, under normal circumstances, off a mat at the range, yeah, you probably will hit this about 115, but you're hitting at a rough, club up, do it properly, and yeah, I think it's just, and it's just little things like that, which um, on-course practice at the moment is, um, 
it seems to be reaping rewards. I'm scoring quite well. I'm saying at the moment because we all know what this game does when you kind of get on a bit of a confidence <laughs> roll. I fully expect to have this bite me in the arse in about three weeks' time, uh, probably at our probably at our full club event, I'm expecting, for it to all go completely tits up. That's it. It's whether you can take that decision-making and put it into a slightly competitive scenario, whether you're... Um, and I feel like you're pressured to play the shot and just pull out the first card that comes to mind or whether you actually yeah. take a step back. That would be, yeah. be the tester. Right, talking about rounds. Mr. Wright, we know you were out twice this weekend. <laughs> I'm quite excited to talk about this one. Uh, yeah, can, we, can we go with the positive round first? Uh, absolutely. So, so Friday went and played Sunningdale Heath, which is, I believe, the old Sunningdale women's club. And it's basically a par three course. I think there's 14 par threes and four par fours. Um, be, like beautifully maintained, like just a, a top quality course. Like every single par, every hole, you know, every single par three you'd expect to find on a decent course somewhere. Like the greens were immaculate. You just beautiful, like roll exactly as you were reading them. That, well, not as, as I read them, but theoretically as you read them, they they were very true. They roll. Just a really, really good setup. They've got. I know they've been. I think they've. Been, they were bought last year by two pros um, from Wentworth. I feel like they're putting in a lot of money. The clubhouse has definitely been had a major upgrade. That's for sure. Um, but yeah, excellent, excellent course. And I was going there with the idea of like, okay, I, I, I don't think I'm going to score. Well, I've never played there before. I don't know what the course is like. I don't necessarily find par threes particularly easy on a normal course. So <laughs> I thought 14 of them, this is going to test me anyway. And then you get there and it's, and the, uh, the, one of the guy who, one of the owners was there and he was like, yeah, this is, we, we people describe this course as humbling. I'm like, right. Okay, fine. <laughs> wow. Um, and when I say par threes that you, I can't, it, there was never like you, you never got a break. There was never an easy hole. So uh, I posted a picture up in um, on Instagram on the Facebook group the other day, and it's literally your yeah, it's like the 170 yard hole, like trees overhanging either side into a green the size of a freaking coffee table with a ramp at the front with hills around it, bunkers, and I'm, you look at it and you just go, where the fuck am I going to put the ball? Like, <laughs> what on earth am I going to do with this? And it was a real, real like thought process you had to think about everything like so there was one so it goes there was a section of holes that was like par three 210 yards next hole par three 240 yards next hole par three 228 i was like this is getting ridiculous like this is not this is not like you get up to the teeth thinking oh it's just a nice pitching wedge here you've actually got to be accurate with a log iron i was just like this is this is brutal but over by the first hole overall hit the ball really, really nicely. Like I was absolutely buzzing. Driver obviously didn't come out. Three wood didn't come out. I think I took the three hybrid out on one of them where it was uphill. And that was, and I was like, oh, I've actually gone a bit right and long. Shouldn't have done that. But apart from that, it was all, all iron work. Iron and, irons and putting wedge work. Oh, it was, it was honestly excellent. Like thoroughly, thoroughly enjoyable. Company was great, obviously, but the course just, it went around. I think I scored 29 points in the end. So nothing world beating, but I had, it's not bad for a first time, of course, though. Oh yeah, I, and and I had four or five putts that literally I putted up, didn't leave short. You'll be both 
be surprised to know. I wasn't leaving putt short, which was great. But they were like on the edge, on the left or the right. And I was like, there's no grass. There's no grass between that ball and the hole. Like, how is this not in the hole? Um, agonising, but at the same yeah. time, somewhat rewarding that the putts were decent putts. Yeah. So just unfortunate they didn't drop. Correct. Um, and so I wasn't far off score. In my opinion, I wasn't far off scoring really, really well around there. And I genuinely would go back over and over again. And I think like we're talking about with Tim doing on-course practice, I think if you went round, if you could get good around that course, your irons and wedges and putting would be phenomenal. Like you'd go around anywhere confident that you, and anywhere like 200 yards in, you'd be, you'd be confident. It was just, it was, it was very penalizing, but like. So enjoyable fo- following on from all the, um, the positive chat about um, your kind of recent practice, you know, we've, we've kind of said before, good practice always leads to bad rounds. How do you feel yeah. that felt into it? Because you, you know, you seem pretty positive on Friday about it. Yeah, no, I, I was, uh, general ball striking was, uh, again, I, I, I obviously duffed the first the first iron shot on the first hole in front of a crowd <laughs> of people, right? Um, uh, and you, the first hole, you cross a road. So there's someone who has to wait down the end, stop the cars. So you've got cars waiting for you. You've got like, every, it's, it's a high pressure situation. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. They have to, there, there's someone signaling and stopping traffic Correct. Whilst you take your first tee shot of the day. Correct. Yes. <laughs> Brilliant. Oh no. So obviously duffed that one, uh, screwed that one up. But um, from from there on out, ball striking, I was absolutely like confidence going into Saturday's round was was high. Like I was like I'm I'm buzzing. Uh, and then I woke up and it was Saturday. Um, we were playing at a course called Merris Wood. And rang them in the morning. Was like, oh, just wondering, do you have um, uh, do you have a driving range that I can use? And they're like, we have a driving range, but it's only open to members. I was like, oh, that's a bit annoying. My warm up will be a sausage and egg uh, sandwich then, so we'll deal with that bit of putting on the putting green. And yeah, then what ensued was one of the most painful front nines of my life. I um, first first hole teed off with a nine, struck it really well, put myself in. A1 position, uh, second shot put out left of the green, had a, a tree in my way but, but bogeyed, so I was like, yeah, that's fine. Didn't get a shot on that hole, so I got one point. Second hole was a par three, again, put it left, chipped on two putted, again, didn't get a shot, one point. So I wasn't like, I was like, oh, okay, it's one point, one point, I, but I've not hit it badly. I've just, I've struck it nicely, just gone a bit left. I can deal with that. Third hole, driver, absolutely smash it. And I, it was one of those ones, you know, you like connecting, like, that's it. I'm having a good round today. Um, get up to the next shot. Four iron. It's a par five. Four iron. I'm looking at, I think it was like 210 yards. And just slides off to the right. <laughs> enough, enough, enough of ball lost, obviously. And enough for me to go, hmm, that wasn't right. Ball down again. Go again. Put it somewhere or about up where it's supposed to. Double bogey that hole. Right, great, perfect. No, I don't think I scored, a, or I got one point there. So it's three points after three. Get to the fourth. Tee off. The tee off felt awful. The iron shot, duffed 10 yards. And I then, I from that point there, you know, when we had that conversation with James where it was like, do you let one bad shot lead to seven? I was like, it went <laughs> one bad shot led to a whole bad round. And I just, I then from that point on, couldn't, mentally I was broken. Like couldn't, couldn't hit, hit the ball. I mean, when, I, we, when we checked in, 
on WhatsApp. <laughs> and we received a message saying the ninth hole runs right alongside the clubhouse. It's tempting. <laughs> I, I, I knew this bit would be quite amusing tonight. I, I the, writing, the writing was on the wall when we we knew for fact that Chris was out on Saturday morning, and I can't remember what time we we got to. And I knew you were out sort of mid morning ish to late morning ish. <laughs> we got to sort of half twelve one ish, and there had been absolutely zero content on Instagram, no messages, nothing <laughs> at all. And in my head, I was like. Mm. That. I was, I I was in a world that. of hurt. I know what that means. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was yeah. in a world of hurt. I, I had, I think I scored, I want to say it was six points on the front nine. <laughs> I, and, but I, I finished every hole, but I was just, just one shot outside of scoring. And it was, and it was just awful golf. And I couldn't, and I couldn't recover it. Um, the only reason, I, honestly, the only reason I didn't do a complete crybaby foulist was because your brother was, I think he was four over, just having the round of his life. And I was just like, I obviously can't leave this. He's loving life and I want to see him, I want to see him score well. Just yeah, for, a bit, for a bit of context, he plays off of, I think it's 18 at the moment, and he doesn't yeah. play all that often. He'll be the title oh. go out once or twice a month. So to be yeah. four over through nine is... Yeah, and he was just he was just loving life, and I was like, I mean, I'm actually enjoying watching you. <laughs> mm, yeah. like, forget, forget my game. Let's just go see what you can put together and have some fun with it. Um, so then, yeah, literally wrote off, obviously written off the round there, and then just went right. Let's just have some try and play around with this, have some fun, see what we're doing. Um, just tried to take what I've been doing on the range, what I did on the Friday, and put it back into the course. And I think I scored, I think I scored 16 points or something like that on the back nine. So managed to. I, I managed, but it was like super. Like I was, it was hard work. Like it was a few rescued putts, saving a couple of extra points. Oh, and, and four of those points came on the last hole, which I birdied. So um, it was <laughs> uh, a classic moment of a good hole on the 18th, and I'm back for more, ready to go, uh, ready to go again. But yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was not the 36 pointer that I was, <laughs> that I was hoping for. <laughs> was it? Was it just, just? one of those days or was there anything kind of, could you, could you put it down to any one thing in particular, just the kind of transition day, day to day? I, I reckon I just got in my own head if I'm brutally honest. Really? Uh, yeah. I, I reckon I just started overthinking it and started <laughs> thinking like when I'm on the range at the moment, it's still, I'm hitting the ball. Like, as I said last week, I'm still hitting the range. I'm hitting the ball as well as I've ever hit it, but it is still training the movement, right? Before every shot I'm doing the drill, 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 full shot, drill, drill, full shot. Obviously, you can't really do that on a uh, on a course. Hit a couple of drill shots. Um, so I think I then, as soon as I duffed one, I think I just then started overthinking. I just went, oh, maybe I wasn't doing this. Oh, maybe I wasn't doing that. Maybe I wasn't doing this. And then I just had way too much going on in my head. And then sequ- I, I knew the sequencing had gone. My shoulders were doing the old school Chris Wright movement that I've been told to change. And I just got in my own head. I genuinely think that's it. Je- like, because on this back nine, 16 points, I'd take. Like yeah, that's sure. for me. Yeah. Is, I'd, I'd be okay with that. So, yeah. Six, six oh. point front nine. I uh, I know why you had the, the feeling of, of wanting to, to to box it in there. Yeah, for sure. So um, I've got we've got a Sunday red golf day this weekend in Sussex. Um, so I'm going to definitely have a couple of range sessions this week before uh, heading down there <laughs> and uh, playing another new course that I've never played before. So. Um, <laughs> I think in essence that actually reduces the pressure a little bit because I don't know what I'm expecting. So I'm like, oh, I'll just go out and have, have a bit of fun and play around. 
maybe that's what it was off the back of a, a, a fairly pleasing round on on Friday. Often after on the back of pleasing rounds, where you're feeling really confident, really good. It <laughs> it's uh, occasionally goes awry the following day, doesn't it? Particularly when you head out onto a course where you're like, well, I've played here a lot. Conditions are good. Course is in pretty good, Nick. I, I'm gonna gonna shoot well here. Yeah. Um, that often happens. There was no reason. Right. And Callum, Callum, just Callum, I think ended up. He scored 36 points in the end. He had 21 points on the front nine. Um, I, I, I honestly just reckon like it was so hot, like it was so hot. And yeah. I just think, for I honestly would say I don't think he did anything wrong. Like he just hit a couple of wayward shots coming along the the final stretch, and I was just like, you know, it's not even a bad shot. You've just not giving yourself a second shot and it was just he he were like yeah he's he looks really freaking good like i'm gonna be honest <laughs> good lad right chaps moving on to the pros now unless you live under a rock you probably well know that um there, there was a quite a big tournament going on this weekend quite a big tournament which you know one of the members has is quite close ties to because a piece of his heart lives in San Francisco. Uh, now, the PGA Champs this weekend uh, played at Harding Park. First time I've ever seen it on TV. The course looked sensational. I mean, it should for a major, but the setting, the views, the scenes, um, uh, and where it was placed, the course was excellent. Huge. Uh, I know we're all big fans of, of, of Colin Morikawa, the eventual winner. Um, props to him getting super excited and throwing the lid off the... Uh, <laughs> Off the trophy as well. Love that. Love, love that. Straight into the green. Um, so for us in the UK, the tournament finished at I think two thirty, three a.m. So it was a bit of a late one. Don't need to ask you two if you watched it because I know you did. But oh, not, not right through. Boy. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, not right through um, until the end. In terms of of major tournaments, I think in recent memory, apart from kind of Tigers masters victory last year it was one of my favorite tournaments to watch because mm. at one stage there was six players tied for first yeah going into and, like and in the final how many within incredible. how many within like two shots like even within like six holes to go there was some ridiculous number of players that theoretically could have like yeah. got there and there were quite a few of our kind of collectively uh quite a few of our, our favorite players at the top there's a couple of in there that you know aren't, aren't we're not the biggest fans, or should we say, but there were quite a few big hitters up there that I know we were all um, quite keen on. Morikawa, final two rounds, 65 and a 64. You know, record, you're not right? a record, yeah, record. Lowest, lowest he, for any major. Yeah, beat uh, Pip Tiger by one shot. Um, I can't remember when it was, but I remember reading that this morning. And it's, it's something we've spoken about because it is important in the golfing world at the moment. It's key. Driving distance is king. Let's change the technology and all of that sort of stuff. Colin Morikawa, by his own accounts, he's not the biggest hitter. Um, he was the most accurate driver of the week off the tee. You know, we spoke last week about driving being key. It just goes to show that accuracy is still going to trump distance. Yes, you do need a blend of the two, um, but you can't, particularly that course of the weekend. I don't, don't know what you two thought of it, but I thought it was set up exactly what we've spoken about. If you miss the fairway by a bit, the rough is penalising yeah. because it's cut in all different directions. There were times where they were absolutely hammering it out of the rough and it was squirting 30 yards out. And other times they'd get a good shot. And yeah, I was, I was kind of, it was great to see Jason Day and Rosie back in contention. I think Justin Rose, I think everyone's kind of a fan of, of his, aren't they? You know, decent bloke. 
Um, but he's just not had it his way the past two years. And I think change of clubs, it just goes to show, even at the top level, you get a set of clubs in your hand that you're comfortable with and uh, it can make uh, you know, a massive dis- difference. Now, big thing that kind of I want to talk to you about this weekend because he is one of, he is one of my favourite guys because he's a stone-cold killer. Uh, he did fall away, unfortunately, to, to, to stop himself, well, prevent himself from winning a third in a row. But first thing I wanted to address, Brooks's dig at Bryson. And what one of our mates um, speaks about all the time, because he is not Brooks's fan, calls him arrogant. I err on the side of confidence. Mm. Tim, where do you stand on Brooks's persona attitude when he's chucking out digs at, at Bryson? You know, where do you stand on the whole situation? So I have no problem with the the dig he had at Bryson because I actually think it was relatively tongue-in-cheek. Um, you know, as soon as you drop science into a post-run interview with Brooks, who, <laughs> yeah. who let's be honest, he's not he's not the chattiest of the guys on the tour. Um, you know he's obviously having a dig, but I think it I think it was that I think it was a I do think it was a tongue-in-cheek dig. Um where I do draw the line and have an issue was his comments about DJ. Um, I thought that was, I thought that was out of order personally um, to be publicly, you know, really, really publicly calling out another, another pro for only having one, one major and then not mentioning any of the other players. For me, that, 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 that was too far. I draw the line at that. No problem with, you know, tongue in cheek digs. He was even smiling when he said it. So obviously, yeah. He knew what he was doing, and um, I, I have no idea if those two are mates or if they get on or anything like that. But I don't, I don't, I don't think they're massively friendly. But I don't, I don't think it was like who Brooks and DJ. It, no, Brooks and um, Bryson. Yeah. I don't think he was. I don't think he was like doing anything that was kind of completely over the line. But I think when I think when he called DJ out, that that didn't sit right with me at all. To be quite honest. And Where do you stand on the whole confident, arrogant, arrogant debate? Well, obviously, look, he's he is a soup. I mean, to be honest, confidence and arrogance kind of. I mean, people may disagree, but for me, confidence and arrogance they do go hand in hand. It's like we we all do it when you when you're confident. You, you know, you you give it the chat, don't you? On the golf course, it's kind of like if you're confident, and your rounds going well, and you walk up to a that's no two hundred and forty yard par three. You're probably going to say to your mates on tee, "I'll probably drop this one about." 10 foot from pin here. Um, loads of people would say that's arrogant, but it's just, it's just you having some chat because you're confident. He's obviously a very confident guy, um, believes in his abilities. I just wonder if this one, if this time is going to bite him a little bit because he gave it, because he gave it all the chat and he didn't back it up. Yeah. It's the one time he didn't deliver. I think the one, the one thing I, you know, I, I tend to defend Brooks quite a lot because I'm a big fan of his. One thing I would defend him for on the on the DJ situation is I think that's typical banter they would have together because they're good mates. It's just stuff he probably shouldn't be saying in the media. It's one of those where it goes personal stuff, sweet, maybe yeah. shouldn't so, say it to the media. I don't know. So his, keep it in the locker room, not in a public forum, on an interview, yeah. the, on the, the night before a championship round of a major. Here's, here's where I stand on it, right? I think if you like the exhibition match with Phil, Tiger, uh, Peyton Manning and Tom Brady, like, 
that's the kind of banter you ex- like. I genuinely expect like, and some of the players, I would love to hear and see that banter. I don't, I don't mind seeing it in the media, but it's but with Brooks, it's one way. Like when he has the dig at yeah. Bryson, Bryson doesn't have any digs back. When he has the digs at DJ, DJ doesn't have any digs back. So in there, it's just bullying, in my opinion. There, it's just being a, a dickhead because you. If they were, if they were in each interviews, they were giving in, going, "Oh, he said this about you," and they're like, oh, "Did he? Well, it's he's only done." Blah, 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 blah. I'd be like, "Great, that's banter." Right now, you're just being a dick. Like that. That's essentially where where I'm at with it. If if they were giving it back, I'd be all, I'd be fine. Like I'd be like, "Oh, it's fine. They're just giving each other a bit of shit." But it's it's not. It's just rude at the moment, from my perception of what I've seen. Uh, I don't I don't mind the digs as long as I, said, I don't mind the digs as long as he's willing to take it and other people give him some shit. For, for both Bryson and DJ, it's quite difficult knowing how ruthless he's been, how ruthless Brooks has been in, in majors the past couple of years. So, you know, he's, yeah. whatever they say to him, he can just turn around and say, say that back. Interested to see if he ever went for Tiger. That'd be quite an interesting one. Did you see, see Rory's comment? Did you see Rory's Roy, comments about where, after he was asked about uh, what he thought of the, uh, the Brooks interview? Um, mm. I, w- I will say, sorry, Rory wasn't a fan of Brooks's comments. Um, so th- this is a quote from Rory. Um, he said, I was sort of taken aback when I heard it. I tried to respect the fact that everyone out here is a great player. And I think if you've won a major championship, you're a hell of a player. It's very hard to knock someone who's won 21 times out here like De- DJ, which is three times as many victories as Brooks. So Rory's obviously gone into bat for DJ a little bit there. Yeah, for sure. And, uh, and that's it, you know, Dawson Johnson, we were only talking about it, what, a few weeks ago, massively underrated player, just yeah. just seems to have some block when it comes to, to majors, again, was in the lead, um, you know, you can't take it away from Morikawa because he was outstanding, oh. there was some yeah. incredible golf being. Can we just take a moment to acknowledge Morikawa's 16th tee shot? Yeah. Unbelievable. Where I, he, he's tied for the lead, standing on the 16th. And he's, I know lots of players were going for the green on the 16th, but he's, he's tied for the on the 16th. You, like, surely part of, this is why he won, obviously, and, he's, and I'm definitely not a pro golfer. Surely he'd be thinking, put it close to the green, chip on, chance yeah. for a birdie. No, 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 I'm going for an eagle. And like, puts it within. <laughs> puts like, it within. <laughs> clutch, absolutely clutch. And that, for me, is a big signal. That's a big marker yeah. to say. Agree. You know, we've all yeah. been talking about how, how good he looks. But now I think that's a big marker to be like, look, I'm here. I am the real deal. And it will be tough to beat me in future tournaments. And I think it's excellent for golf. The amount of players now that are playing well and that are genuinely competitive in majors. I don't remember you know, the past 10, 15 years of, of watching golf, a that, time as competitive as what we're watching now. That final round was excellent to have yeah. so many people so close together that could have like, one mistake here one good shot here could literally win it or lose it for me was I, I can't remember a major where it's been like that close, that, that close up until the end. I think that was amazing. That was a good advert for golf. When there was, there was one point last night when I was watching it and there was like literally every time the camera was cutting to a a different play, the the little graphic would be saying for birdie and co-lead. Yeah. (laughs) Different player every time. I was like, I've never, I've, n- I've never seen it like this because yeah. I have no idea where this is going. And uh, to finish off all the gone, gone writing. By the way, I've got, I want to share a stat with you guys. This isn't, we haven't talked about this. 
I, I, before we get on to our, are we going to discuss our, our three picks? Yes, yeah. Okay, so before we get on to that, I feel like this is a good time to bring this up. Um, I want to tell you that it might not be Brooks's fault that he had a shit round. Go on. So can I, let me ask you a quick question. This might open up a whole other discussion for another day. Do you reckon your performance changes based on who you play with? Yes, 100%. Yeah, probably. Turns out, it happens even with the pros. And it's statistically been proven. So, to name a few, or to name one obvious one, someone who you just did never want to play with on your final round on a Sunday is Tiger. Every, literally every player plays Crumb, worse. <laughs> every yeah. player plays worse than they normally do when playing with Tiger. I don't have the exact. I've, I'll, what I'll do is I'll when we post the social media for this, I'll include the link to this article and it has all the exact stats, etc. But basically, final round of the weekend, you never want to be paired with Tiger. You are going to play worse than you normally do. Fact. Like, basic, like literally fact. Now, other people that make the, um, the top 10 list of people that you don't want to play with, because on that final day, they'll make you play worse. Basically, they, they did the, the, the stats based over all four rounds or just on Sunday. So on all four rounds, across all four rounds, you'll play worse if paired with Rory, Brooks, Stenson, Molinari, and a few others. Statistically, you will play worse if paired with paired with them. That's interesting. On a Sunday, final round, those guys don't even make the list. So on a Sunday, they're not even significant, right? So it's obviously the first three days that those guys come, like you get really bad. On a Sunday, two players that stood out for me that made made the list. Who did Brooks play with? Paul Casey. Paul Casey. So he was number three, I think, on the list of players not to play with on the final day because you will score worse. Brooks goes and scores plus four. four. Plus four, yeah. And, and the other player definitely not to play with on a Sunday, Adam Scott. And he was partnered with, I had to look at this one, Charles Schwartzel, who hit a plus three on the final day. Is that right? Because Adam Scott dresses really atrocious. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got that shit jumper out again. He, he, he's taken home the award for worst dressed bloke of the weekend, I think. Gears were all over the show. Got dressed in the dark, clearly. <laughs> but but I just found that fascinating. I was like, I was yes, literally listening to study. And then I was like, oh. And then Paul Casey came up on the list and I was like, hold up, wasn't he yeah. playing with Brooks yesterday? I was like, yeah. I, I kind of feel like Tiger's the obvious one because of who yeah. he is, what he's done, and you know, the impact that you see. You see people visually just crumble around it, but the Paul Casey one. It's quite an unassuming guy. He's a very nice bloke. Um, you know, without digging him out too much, he's not often in contention. So it's not like he's at the, <laughs> the in the latter. I mean, he's quite. He's, 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 he's career. I think we need to talk about his performance this weekend because I thought he was outstanding. outstanding. Yeah, yeah, amazing. Yeah, he was I'd, excellent. I'd love seeing the Brits like Fleetwood was up there. I just think it was oh, it was excellent. Oh, and by the way, if you want to have a good round. Play with Ernie Els or Max Homer. <laughs> <laughs> All right. players play better when paired with them. Chaps, we did make some picks. Before we move on to a few negatives about the PGA, let's discuss our picks and how we all got on. Because just so we know, we could have had Scotty Scheffler. Uh, based on the driving stats, I was close mm-hmm. to going with him as he hit bombs. But instead, I went for Ben Ann, who didn't quite win the tournament. But Scotty Scheffler, I thought, oh, I've made a massive move, boo-boo here. I can't believe I missed him. Um, 
Who do we go for, just to remind everyone, and where do they come? Mr. Wright, I believe you had an absolute belter of a weekend for this as well. Well, <laughs> we talked about this at the beginning. It was a game of accuracy this weekend. You were penalised in, in the rough. And I said last week, my picks were based on players who I knew would keep the ball in play. And then the final pick was based on someone who I would play long off the tee. So they would definitely be in the rough, but they would have a short iron in. That was my kind of thing. So uh, I had, and the outside, the top 50 was uh, Matthew Wolf, long off the tee, uh, show short iron in. That was Matthew tied fourth on 10 under. So pleased with that one, outside the top 50. Again, please, please in the sea. I know him, the, the trio of him, Hovland and Morikawa, I know we're all kind of yep. fans of and excited to see where all three go. Sorry about 100%. that. 100%. No, that's right. The other two, uh, my two accurate players, uh, Webb Simpson uh, both of them made the cut by the way all three players made the cut so just want to throw that one out there Webb Simpson uh, 37th on one under and Ryan Palmer tied 43rd on even this this sums up Ryan Palmer's weekend he was oh crap what was he four under on Friday to make the cut hit six over or something on Saturday six under yesterday so I was like well Come on, you've clearly got it in the locker. What? Yeah. <laughs> what are you doing? So, yeah, so not not a world beating three there, but I've got a top ten, and all three made the cut. That's what I'm. That's what I'm <laughs> sitting here on, Mr. Williams. Uh, I was very happy with my picks, apart from my number one. Um, so my number one pick last week, were, and I backed my choice up by saying I back him to go back to back victories. He's He's figured out all the demon. He's on a hot streak. He's the man to watch. And he duly delivered by finishing 37th. Yes. <laughs> but he did get a very good social media moment. A lovely, audible fuck on live TV, which I thought was... One of the best. Really... <laughs> yeah. Good F-bomb, JT. Really appreciate that. Um, but my... my I, I went Xander. Um, at the moment... To be honest, most tournaments, I if it's a, if it's three people in there, I'm probably going to have Xander in there just because I think he's really really consistent. Uh, he came in tied tenth, and then my outsider was Mr. Cam Cameron Champ, who really well. also came in at a joint tenth, played really really well um, over the weekend, was fully in contention yesterday. Um, so yeah, two two tenth places and a thirty seventh for me. I have to say, Cam Champ, I'm chuffed he had the tournament he did. Because I think when we, when he burst on the scene, there was so much hype around him. He was super excited about what he was going to achieve. An injury kind of went a bit quiet. And for him to turn up and play as well as he did. And I think the sign where I thought he could actually win this was the first few holes. He wasn't leaving putts way short. He wasn't missing them. He kept burning the edge. And you're like, that's a sign of a confident guy yeah. who could challenge in the future because there were quite a few really tentative parts being sent out yesterday um, and kind of watching him get them close was, was, was excellent. I think. And then Xander as well. I think I, I agree with you. He would be one that you'd, you'd put, you know, money on to finish top 10 pretty much every tournament. And the, the commentators were buzzing over him as well. Just, yeah. Like they said, it's, it's surely it's only a matter of time because he's got every shot. He, he looks comfortable standing over the ball regardless of where he is. So going into the weekend, I put, well, yeah, going into the weekend, I probably had Xander and Morikawa kind of in the same boat as two quite young guys who were 
on the cusp of really, really breaking through. I think having today digested the stats, the performance, the record of Morikawa, I'm revising that opinion. I, 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 I now think Morikawa is out there by himself as the the best, the big next thing. I really, really do. So that's fair. I mean, he's just just furthered his uh, wins the cuts stat, hasn't he? So, uh, and you, so a, a major on the board as well. So this is interesting, actually. So uh, drop a stat in here for you because I know we all love it. So this was uh, this is Morikawa's twenty ninth um, tour start at the weekend. Um, so it's his third win on tour and his first major. I know we shouldn't do comparisons. I know, I know, I know, I know. But Tiger, in his 29th start, took his fourth win on tour and his first major. So there you go. A little bit of mirror imagery going on there. I'm not yeah. saying necessarily that Morikawa is going to go on to be Tiger, but, you know, that's that's a compelling stat, right? That is excellent stat. And it so, will Tim, be interesting to see if it develops. Tim, just remind me, your three were champ, Champ, Xander, and JT. Excellent. And uh, for me, I went Brooks, tie for 29th. I thought we were looking good going into the final round. Um, as you've alluded to already, playing with Paul Casey, apparently it's just the worst thing to do on the final round of golf tournament. <laughs> Shot five, four over, uh, final round to, for a tie of 29th. He did look like I, he was chasing back shots at times. And, you know, I think that's quite a dangerous, dangerous thing to try and attempt on difficult golf courses at times. Um, I also had John Rahm, who finished in a tie of 13th. He was he, he never really looked in contention. He was always just kind of on like the fringes um, of the game. And then he rescued it with a slam dunk. Uh, he got an ace on hole 11, I think it was. Uh, ben Ann uh, was my outsider, outside the top 50. Um, the slam dunk saved him a bit because he, he finished in a tie for 22nd. Um, you know, shooting a one on a par three. Getting an eagle is always going to help um, propel you up the leaderboard. So, I think based on that, Timbo takes the win. Well, how are we basing it? How are we basing it? Well, I'm totally up prize money right now to see who's won. On average, if we do it on prize it, money, so well, I haven't got your final one yet. Should you, do you want to do it on prize money? We're not doing it on prize. I think Tim's definitely got it. To be honest with you, he's on five <laughs> yeah. five hundred fifty thousand dollars so far. Uh, yeah, no, Tim's definitely won it. I think I think I may have come second though. Uh, Tim, yet you win this week, even on prize money for sure. Good work, mate. Well done. Well done. Right, some 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 kind of stuff on the negative side of the PGA champs. I know um, it's kind of we spoke about it in the WhatsApp chat earlier on, and it just kept bouncing back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And we had to say, right, let's pause this, sit this one <laughs> on the shelf, uh, let's talk about it later. Um, <laughs> Wasting all our good chat. Yeah, first thing I wanted to talk about because I saw him do it and I was just like, no, put the club back in the bag. He's been one of the greatest players to ever play the game of golf. Phil Mickelson needs to leave his bomb-slaying driver at home. He never needs to take it near a golf course again. He's awful with it. Anytime I see him step on the tee with his driver, it is off in the trees somewhere, down the wrong fairway. I've got have no got, idea got, why he's trying to keep up with the big boys. Have you got like, the fact that is he actually in the fairway of the trees or is this just our perception of it? I don't, it might be the perception. It might just be the TV coverage, but I, I very rarely see him absolutely nail one straight down the centre of the fairway and 
you know, there was there was a big one yesterday where he, he smashed it high and left. You know, the, the game was up for him anyway at this point. And I think Phil's getting to the stage where he's, you know, not throwing it, but when he's not in contention, he doesn't look interested at all. When he went back to the tee, didn't look as if he get, cared at all and then just straight kind of blocked one to the right of the, of the fairway, straight into the rough. So... I don't know, where, where do we stand with Phil? I know, Tim, <laughs> you wanted to say a couple of things earlier on. It's, I just, I think he's still got so much to offer. I just think, get the ball in play. You are so good with your irons. You are so good with your wedges. Why are you trying to keep up with the likes of Bryson and that and trying to hit it out of this planet? Just get the ball in play. Um, to, to be honest, I think the reason he's got to try and do it is because the amount of players that just have maybe not quite as good a short game, but there is there are too many players out there that have got the all round game, to be to be brutally honest. Um that I'm I'm a big Phil fan. Um I enjoy seeing him out there. You know, he's a, he's a short game wizard. Um he's obviously won a huge amount in the game. Um but if I'm being honest right now, I'm at the point now where I I don't see him competing at the very top. I, I, I just don't, if I'm, if I'm being brutally honest, um, there was a one point at the weekend and I felt quite bad for thinking it, but I did think, you know, when, when, when does a player make the decision to join, join the senior tour? When does that decision happen? Um, look, now I've said it, he'll probably come back and win the U S right. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I think, I think as soon as, as long as you're making, as long as you're making cuts, making good money, and you're compete and you're competitive, what like I don't know why would you go to the senior tour? But do you think he is competitive? Yeah, that's Three. it. It's where it's where do you define competitive? Because for Phil, yeah. for Phil, he's, he's not winning anything. You know, this not is a guy end. who's who's been first, or you know, as most of the, of the case over the course of his career, he's been second. Um, obviously, behind Tiger, is that is the case? Is you know, is he still competitive? You know, and also, he's got to be in my bonnet. He's got to get rid of that shirt. That shirt he was wearing on the final day, the button-up shirt, got to go. I'm sorry, you're not in a meeting. Get rid of it. Polo's only on the golf course, please. <laughs> right. Oh, by the way, I've got, I've got some stats here that I'll just Google quickly. This is on the PGA. This isn't from this is this 2020 season. I, I think it's feet. So standard stats, distance from edge of fairway. I can only imagine that means in the rough. If it's, I think it might be thirty-eight feet, thirty-seven point nine, which ranks him at two hundred and seventh um, off the tee. This is finds the left rough twenty-two percent of the time, which puts him two hundred and tenth. Uh, so I think, bearing in mind over the weekend, I may be butchering this, and it could be a foulless fact coming up. But I think Morikawa <laughs> led the field with sixty-nine percent driving accuracy. I said, draw the accuracy. He's fifty on average, fifty-four percent. Which I don't know at the top of the game. Which placed him one hundred and eighty-second. as well, what did you say? Thirty-nine feet from the edge of the fairway. It's not yeah, like he's exactly. just missing it by a foot, two foot, yeah. one foot. It's a, it's it's, it's a good, trouble. it's a good distance, particularly as we've said. Well, we talked just about the other week about um, Spieth, right, and how mm. if you at the at the start of his, I don't want to say descent, but okay, let's go with descent. Into, Current, you know, downward phase. Yeah, he's not been informed. 
at the start of that, he was chasing distance, right? Mm-hmm. Now, is this not Bryson May the exception? Although, again, he's still not won anything big. Um, chasing distance. It, for every one person that it does work for, it does seem there's a lot of people it doesn't work for. Yeah. Well, that's it. Like you just said, we've, you've just met... Well, we've just spoken about Phil, arguably the greatest short game player of all time. We've also just spoken about Speed, arguably one of the better putters of all time. You know, his yeah. putter has gone a bit cold as well, which is which is letting down. But you know, play to your strengths. You know, Morikawa, you know, openly says he he was he knew he was comfortable hitting that driver on sixteen because he's not a big lad on tour because he knew that that was his distance. He said people were having to take three words or taking a bit off driver he was like i accept who i am and i was just yeah. I was confident and i knew where it was going which is which is big and that's where i'm like this is a 21 year old doing you know making that decision feels 50 <laughs> well, right quick 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 just going back to phil quickly because i don't even remember this happening at the wgc last last week he was tied second don't remember i'm not going to say anything that would, that would be quite competitive. But I appreciate then the week before he was 54th, 58th, 24th. Like, so I appreciate he's not up there all the time. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's just got to, stop, stop, got to stop taking that rocket driver and just, just <laughs> get a fairway finder one, just put it in play. Um, righty, you're one of his biggest fanboys. Um, something, uh, another negative that I wanted to talk to you about. I'm coming to you first on this. Talk to me about Ricky Fowler's whiffed putt. Oh, uh, oh my God. They reported... Twenty thousand dollars because he missed. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, does does, does this further what we were talking about last week in regards to is he really the top top echelon game? Yeah. Look, I'm going to be brutally honest. I don't. I don't think Ricky Fowler is giving a shit about twenty grand. No. I don't think. (laughs) I don't think he sat there looking at his bank account, going, "Oh, if only I had that extra twenty grand in here, I'd be okay." I I don't think I don't I don't think he was that would have even cro- like either of us making that one foot putt for twenty grand high chance we're missing it right like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. like I get it for him that he he didn't he didn't miss that because of pressure he he was not having a great um a great day I think it was a pure lapse in concentration and just. And just just didn't do what I don't like, was he even try the stroke? It was just a bit of a I was like, what what just happened? Um, like, no, normally, I, I quite enjoy watching the pros mess up, but in actual fact, that clip was quite uncomfortable to watch. It was because you're like Ricky is an, you know he's incredible with a flat stick. He is great when he's playing. Well, I, I genuinely think lapsing. I can only like lapsing concentration, and he's just he's, he's actually whiffed a putt. Like that is. I've I've not seen it done before from that like kind of I've seen duff putts but that was impressive. Timbo, I just think it's to be honest. I actually think it's just one of those things. You know, ninety nine times out of a hundred, that's not going to happen. It's just more than nine thousand nine hundred ninety nine. Like you just, it's akin to a um, I don't know. Sergio Aguero missing a tap in from six yards out. It's the, it's the same thing as that. I don't think that in in a that in itself is an example of uh, Ricky's mental 
game. I think the fact he was battling to beat the cut is potentially an indictment of his mental game. I don't think, but you know, if if you've if that is if that is a, if that's the mistake, and yeah, it was a massive mistake. But if that's the mistake that is preventing you from making the cut, then you've got there are other bigger mistakes out Correct. there. Bigger issues to think about. Be honest. Um, he was with, with the amount of young players that we've spoken about, the young talent coming through, I think Ricky's missed his chance. I can't honestly ever see him winning a major now. I think with, with the, the quality of player that are coming through and all of the boys, you know, all his mates and all of the boys that are around his age, I think it's, it's, it's going to be a struggle, uh, struggle now. Someone else who, you know, I've not been his biggest fan because of some of the statements he's made in the media. Can you see Rory winning a major again? Because he seems oh. mentally fragile. For those who, who haven't seen it, he got asked why um, he struggled after 54 holes at the majors. I was shocked to find out he'd not won a major in six years, um, first of all. His response um, to, to, to why he, he struggles after 54 holes is, no, I don't know. Maybe I'm just not as good as I used to be. I don't know. Can you ever imagine Tiger... Or you know any of the games greats in history ever saying that? I was just I read that and was like, what? This is what you're saying about Brooks, right? And you're saying Brooks is super confident, mm. and I think as a you know Rory, he cannot if, even if he's thinking it, he can't be vocalizing it if he's putting like we talk about the power of psychology. If you're if you're saying those words, you, you he believes those words. He believes by saying yeah. that, I know he believes he's not as good as he used and to he, be, and, he, and therefore he won't play. And he's looked like that since the restart. You know, he said he's struggled mm. to motivate himself since um, you know, COVID's uh, restrictions were lifted. He's, he's come back to tournaments. He's, he's just not been firing. Timber? Yeah, I just, I couldn't believe when I read it, to be quite honest. For a, for a professional sportsman in any sport to be saying, maybe I'm not as good as I used to be. Um <sighs> Look, I'm not a professional sportsman, obviously, uh, <laughs> but I just don't. I just don't think that phrase should be in your vocabulary if you're a, if you're a professional sportsman, and even less if you're in the top five in the world in your position. There's part of me which wonders if it is a if it is a tactic to I don't know a, a pressure relieving tactic that he's trying out to kind of I don't know maybe he's looking to put that kind of pressure on himself maybe he's looking to create some pressure from the media um to to get him to get him to that next place i don't know um but in isolation it's a it's a pretty rogue comment to be making um mm. if i was his coach i'd be i'd be non, not too happy about it and again you know you, you think about other sports i mean you, you talk about i don't know let's uh, who's a good example um I mean, you get you get like rugby players into their thirties, right? You're not going to get one of those guys coming out. Um, it's a good example. You're not going to get Johnny Sexton, right, coming out and saying, "Oh yeah, I'm not. I'm just not as good as uh, as a playmaker as I used to be." Fox is going to say that. He's going to say the opposite. He's going to say, I've, "I'm much more experienced. If anything, I'm a better playmaker than I used to be." Um, so I just think, can you, it's just, can you imagine yeah. a whole team talk? Oh, lads, you know what? Maybe we're just not as good as we used to be. Yeah. Yeah. And this is this is why, I mean, we've had this discussion before and you two have kind of been surprised here, but this is why I'm 
Rory's harshest cri- critic because mm. natural talent, he's the best in the game. You know, his all-round game, for me, he has the potential and has the ability to absolutely destroy any tournament he goes to. But I, I see and I hear things like that and I've heard him say that it wouldn't be the end of the world if he never won a major again. I just can't help but think you're living nowhere near up to your potential. Like you have the potential to be one of the best players of all time. You know, he is excellent. There's, there's no getting away from that. But that's why I think I'm always so harsh on Rory because I watch, when you watch him and he's on form, you, you watch him and you're like, this is Tiger back in early 2000s. He is destroying this. He makes the game look so easy. And then at times you're like, what happened? You're nowhere. Like, how is, how is that possible to complete, not polar opposites, because, you know, he's still making cuts and he's, he's still doing pretty well for a living. But I just think he's, he's not playing anywhere near to what he can. There's part of me that thinks if ever a player needed the Ryder Cup, it's Rory right now. Yeah. Because I think he's a, he's a bit like Poulton in that he lives and breathes the Ryder Cup and he loves the fans and he loves the events and the spectacle of it. And you just feel if this was a normal year and that event was coming up and he could get himself really amped up for that competition, I think that would actually have a really, really massive effect on him. And also, let's let's not forget, before we went into lockdown, he was on he was playing some of the best some of his best golfing years yeah um so i think it's a weird thing for, for, for him to say in that because yeah a mere few months ago he was back to world number one deservedly world number one um i just think he's probably just going through a bit of a weird a bit of a tricky phase at the moment but um maybe chat to your coach about those kind of feelings and not a press <laughs> officer <laughs> yeah because yeah. You know, other pros are going to see that as much as you, I know you said it could be a tactic to use in, in future tournaments. But if that were me and it were heading down the stretch and I wanted to, you know, start sticking the needle in potentially with, with Rory, I know he's not, you know, it just looks like he's mentally fragile. Is, um, is there pledging that happens in, in golf? Like, I, is, I've never seen... I don't know. Brooks does it quite publicly. <laughs> I reckon I can imagine... If uh, if Brooks is one shot behind and it's down to the last hole on the major, I've got a feeling he's he's sticking the needle in at some point. I wouldn't be surprised. I would. Oh yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if it's a difference between you winning the major and not, and you know that you know Rory's on the edge, just just give him a little tip. I'd be like, oh, Tim, you're on for your best round ever here, mate. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Right, chaps, it's easy to forget uh, because the major was on. There was a lot of other golf going on in the world, um, particularly, you know, very close to home uh, from the perspective of, of the European tours at Han- Hanbury Manor. I think European tour have handled it pretty well. Um, the whole the COVID situation, getting the tournaments back on. I know Beef wasn't a big fan the other week, but Hanbury Manor looks an excellent venue for a triple way, doesn't it? I know, right, you were straight on it, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Ooh, we, should, we should get the chats, chats done there. Um, the quality of golf was outstanding. Now, I don't know whether the course is the most challenging in the world, but the amount of players that were on like double digit under par mm. and further um, was huge. Andy Sullivan, he won with a seven stroke victory. Um, hits what hit, And also he hit one of the most sensational drivers I've ever seen. I don't know whether you've both seen it. Just managed to okay. get into... Oh, 
Yeah, just managed to yeah. get it to drop softly on the green, slight cut on it, and must have been five, six feet from the pin. Couldn't believe it. Um, I, just, I, just, I just loved Andy Sullivan's reaction on the 18th when he missed his putt, and he was like, oh, I was like, dude, you, you've got six more shots to play with. You're probably okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right. Kind of uh, some players that are, are gone. I was going to say, your your one to watch was up there as well, wasn't he? Yeah, so the Hoygaard brothers that I, I spoke about recently. Um, kind of Hoygaard watch. Uh, so there's Rasmus and Nikolai. Rasmus shot four rounds in the 60s to come third on 19 under par. Can you imagine shooting... Well, can you imagine shooting under par ever? No. Um, to shoot <laughs> 19 <laughs> under, I believe they're 19 as well. They're young. Um, to be shooting... Uh, 19 under four rounds in the 60s is huge. You know, it's come yeah. third at that age is, is excellent. Then the brother Nikolai came in a tie for 26 um, with 13 under. So they're pretty good. They're pretty handy. Um, and they're kind of two to watch out for. They are kind of typically around the top of the leaderboard kind of most weeks. Anything more to say, European Tour chaps? No, I, I, I quite enjoyed the... I, I, I'm now absolutely on Huygard watch. I think now that you've put their name out there, I'm like, right, how are they doing? Where are they playing? I thought I actually thought he came across really well in his uh, post-round interview as well. And I was like, he's only 19. Very mature. Or came across as very mature, very sensible, um, which was which was good. I, I, as you said, I immediately Googled, where is this? Can we go play it? Uh, it turns out we can. It's very good value. So looking forward to getting a, an FBI trip there. Maybe 2021. 20, uh, no, just, yeah, very enjoyable. And just, again, people like seeing birdies, don't they? So watching that, I, whether it was an easy course or whatever, I think the players played, played very well and, and scored excellently. I think after kind of Azinger's comments, it's always, I always really appreciate the European tour. Like, I always appreciate that little bit more than what you probably should, just because, uh, you know, they are doing an excellent job. It's, mm. They, you know, the, the way they've handled COVID, as you said, and the way they've set up tournaments, I think it's been... I, I also thoroughly enjoyed. So uh, Andy Sullivan wins. He walks off the green. They've got a laptop there with his um, <laughs> wife and kids. And they're like, oh, you've won. Congratulations. And I think it was his daughter. His yeah. daughter was like, don't worry, Dad, we've got all the beers in the fridge. We're going <laughs> to yeah. take them up and spray yeah. over you. I was like, excellent. That's exactly Brilliant. what we want to hear. That's, that's the... They know you too well. Well done. <laughs> staying uh, on these borders in the in the Rose Series um, unfortunately final day not washed out but burnt out burnt out, out. Uh, so, yeah. we're, so on uh, Friday we were at Sunningdale Heath we were sat there after the round having a bite to eat I was like what is all that smoke coming across turns out Wentworth was on fire oh Christ yeah you weren't far from it at all yeah just down the road it's um so for that final round unfortunately was called off I don't know whether kind of you saw the final results, but Charlie Hull won the Order of Merit you know, for the series, which is possibly no surprise. You know, any time yeah. you hear of a, a ladies' European Tour event being played, you, it's pretty safe money to bet that, that Hull or, or Georgia Hall are going to be there or thereabouts. How many wins did they both have? Was it two each? Or did Hull have more? I can't remember. But yeah, you're going to see one of them up there, aren't you? Yeah, for sure. And then kind of going back across the pond, uh, looking at the LPGA, Danielle Kang. Like, Unbelievable. Kind of did a little bit of digging on this. After I was talking about JT already, having a bit of a crumble bum and not backing <laughs> yeah. up. Yeah, we need and, that Lydia Kerr, don't we? <laughs> Danielle Kang, her season so far, just before you do talk about Lydia Ko, she's played four tournaments. She's tied for 12th 
third, first, and first. So she went back, back to back week. two weeks in a row. Um, she was, was she six shots behind with five to play or five shots behind with six five, to play? Five shots behind. So Lydia, oh. Lydia Coe had a, had a, she had a five shot lead during the final round. And yeah, she had an absolute nightmare of a back nine, basically. Um, she had a couple of double bogeys in the running. So it wasn't necessarily Danielle Kang demolishing it. It was Lydia Coe doing her best to throw it away. Or was it a bit of both? Um, I don't <laughs> want to go in on this, but I would say that Lydia probably did throw it away a little bit. I think if you've got a five-shot lead on the final day going into the back nine, I mean, that's... I mean, we're not talking Jean van der Velde, but it's not a million miles away from that. I mean, she's, she's a four, former world number one. She's not won a tournament since, I think, 2018 now. No. Um, and I mean, uh, Danielle Kang, she, she won it with a par on the 18th to win right. by one shot. Right. Which in itself kind of tells you a fair I mean, bit. She had to be there, right? Danielle Kang has to be up there. She has to yeah, be scoring yeah, well. Right? Yeah, yeah, take nothing away. Take nothing away. Um, I just thought it was ugh, just a shame, I think. Mm. Um, you know, we, we talked about um, JT the other week and, you know, when, you, when you're kind of holding on to a, you're holding on to a round yeah. or you're holding on to a performance that you know isn't quite there. I think probably what you saw there is kind of the evidence of how it can go the other way when you're kind of desperately fighting and it's just, and it's just not happening for you. So I, I, I yeah, I feel, I feel pretty bad to be honest. I mean, absolutely massive congratulations, Daniel King, but I do, I do feel bad for Lydia Cohen to be quite honest. She'll be back. I'm sure two wins in a row, though that's that's, that's a four that's excellent results, yeah, isn't it? I mean, that that kind of that point there, Tim, the hanging on versus kind of still going for it and playing confidently. I think tying it back into to, to the PJ Champs this week. I mean, we weren't up to watch it, but when you're watching through the highlights and, and stuff today, at no point did Morikawa look like he was hanging on. He just no. stepped up confidently. If he was hanging you, on, you, he you can up. generally tell, can't you? You can generally tell, even with the pros, you watch them, you're like, you feel like you're, you're trying to cling on to this, but he just, each time steps up and just looked confident the whole time. Yeah, agreed. Right, chaps. That was a good, good chunk on the pros. Right. Something that, um, this idea was, was brought up and brought to us um, by James Landon, who we had on as a guest in episode nine. So James is a, a golf psychologist. Um, and it's, it's basically teaching us, to be better golfers, which I think everyone wants. Now, I can't remember out of you two who spoke about it. Tim, I believe it was you. Um, nope. No? Whitey, maybe it was you. Is this the, the bit that you're about to introduce, the game that you're about to introduce? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I spoke to Jake. James threw it at me as a, a game that we should be playing, and then I threw it at you guys. Cool. Right, Mr. Wright, because you were the first person to find out about this, um, why don't you introduce it? Because I, as soon as you said it, I was like, that's brilliant. Yeah. Absolutely excellent for, <laughs> for your own game. <laughs> Take it away, Mr. Wright. Yeah, so I think there's, I think there's two sides to it. And I think the, well, actually, the, the, the premise of the game is this, right? You do what, basically you do what Tim's been doing and you go and play one course several times. Let's say you go and play, but the goal is how, how quickly you can play a course and score level part by taking your best score from each hole on each round so like for example tim you played four or five times now on the front nine and i think yep. you said you're you're now at plus one or level part yeah. you say you're at level- yeah. you say the best the best score i've had on each hole and cumulatively add that up yeah i'm one over par yeah perfect so and and so james said do this over 18 holes do it across one course 
and the idea being right it's like and we can make it into a competition so we could all play the same course and we could say right who can get to level par the quickest because we all know we have those nightmare holes that we just well there's one hole that you just can't get your head around i know tim's got talking about he said earlier there was one hole that you just cannot par for the life of him um we all have that and the idea of my understanding is the idea of this game is to actually make you realize you are capable of hitting par on every hole or you are capable of scoring well or your two points on every hole whatever it whatever your your kind of goal is and that i think from a psychological perspective is very powerful when you get up to every hole knowing i know i can hit par on this hole i've done it or i know i can get my two points on this hole i've done it um i just think it's a, a great concept a to really get you focused on the positive sides that you know that you can do rather than getting to a hole and thinking crap i never part this one actually getting to every hole and being like no no I've, i have part this in fact if i play my if i was to play my best golf i know i can shoot level par or i know i can get 36 points or whatever it is that you're aiming for now you you kind of spoke about it from a competitive standpoint but say someone were to use it on their own kind of what tim has been doing yeah um you kind of what's what's, what's the goal you know how how many rounds are we are we talking like is I, it I, I think continue playing until you've done it or I think it should be I I, again I'm I'm now adding my own spin on this but I I think you either say how close can I get in five rounds and then you keep playing that challenge so you keep doing your five rounds and you say how close can I get or you go how quickly can I do it so you might go right start now it takes me and let's say my goal is level par if I'm just starting I might say my goal might be like two points a hole or bogey golf or whatever but let's say I'm going right level par, and it takes me eight rounds. That's my that's my target. Now the next time I start, I've got to try and beat eight rounds. So try and get it in seven rounds, six rounds, five rounds. So I think either way would work. Yeah, I have to admit when you put that into the group, the, the concept of it, I think as a as a practice tool, I think is brilliant. And we're talking mm. a practice tool, like we spoke about uh, on the podcast with James. Is golf is more than just Hitting golf balls down the driving range. A lot of it is about the psychological side, as Tim's pretty much just alluded to with the Lydia Co final few holes. A lot of golf is is psychological, and if you can do anything to improve your psyche on the golf course, this is such a simple drill, such an easy game, if you want to call it that, to help build confidence on the course. Because you know every golf course has difficult holes, but if you can prove to yourself, what even just the once that you can par it or better it. I think that's huge. That's that's the big one for me. Um, is that now? I think we've all been on those courses, or we've we've all been on that that those rounds where you, you get to that one hole, right? You, you know, we've we've probably all all got one bogey hole that you probably turn around and you say to your playing partners, "I'm always shit on this hole. I've never parked this hole." And <laughs> yeah. What what a negative frame of mind to be in before you even hit a shot on that golf hole. What I think this pra- this practice idea does brilliantly is it completely flips that on its head, because as I say, now that you know that you know, however many rounds it takes you five, six, ten, whatever it is, does it doesn't really matter to be quite honest. Mm. Once you get to the point where you're like, right, I know for a fact I can par xyz number of holes on this golf course what it does is actually flips it around so you get to that hole that you've not got a par on and, you, and the, the the challenge is now oh if i can par this or or how do i make par exactly yeah. and it's a completely different mindset and it just get it's just a good way to kind of practice getting out of that 
very human and very normal thing to do just to step up to a hole and think, oh, this par four again, or this this <laughs> dog leg par five, which I never score well on. And probably I always hit it into the trees here. I always hit it badly here. <laughs> um, it just flips that around. So I think it's brilliant. I think it's just it's a brilliant, brilliant training aid. You know, you're playing against yourself. You know, we've spoken in the past about how golf, in my opinion, you're only ever playing yourself. You're not really mm-hmm. playing uh, the people you're playing with. And I just think it's it's just a great confidence boost. You know, yeah. again, if you if you have a bit of a dip in form, which is going to happen, it's always going to happen. One of the the pieces of advice that James um, and Chris have spoken about in previous weeks has been, you know, just take out a previous scorecard and look through when you've had a good round. I think what this allows you to do is actually look you know and keep a log of it and it looks you can look through and say it's in there the golf is in there i've proven yeah. to it i've got it written down i've parred i don't know all but one of those holes at some point it's in there yeah. i just have to figure out yeah. the one thing i'm doing wrong and i'll have it back out again yeah so or it's golf is I, such a go on chris no i was just gonna say i think i, I think you're right so i think it's when you then get to that hole and you go okay I literally never make par here. Let's instead of just moaning about it, let's let's stop trying to do the same shit as I always do and try a different plan. And I think if you start thinking in terms of okay, the old plan wasn't working on this hole, what's the new plan? I think you then get you take away the emotional aspect of it and you bring in just the it's strategy. It's not a I can or can't do this. It's a that plan wasn't working. What's the new plan? Like think of one hole that you just hate playing change the plan next time you're out. Like if you always score badly, stop trying to do the same shit. Um, try something different. Try placing your shot into a different area of the fairway that you wouldn't normally go for. Try different. Stop aiming for the pin. We're not good enough to aim for the pin yet. Aim for the middle of the grid. Like whatever it is, like just change your, in my opinion, change your plan if it's not working. Yeah. And what, what I liked about the concept was it's, it's so easy in golf to harbour on the negative shots, the negative holes. Mm. The concept here it's, is it's literally trying to find the positive the whole time. There's no kind yeah. of, and it's just a case of, right, you had a shit hole, cool, disregard it. Let's hit par on any one of the five, six, three, two, however many rounds that you're trying to achieve that in. Um, and I think, yeah, I thought it was, like I said, it, as soon as you said it, I thought it was a brilliant idea. Right. I'm glad that we agree on that. Fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> Furthering on kind of uh, the practice, I think this was, again, was brought up in, in the group chat. Great post, quite quite interesting actually, uh, because as we all know, trying to drop your handicap, trying to drop shots on the golf course is very very difficult, and often it's you know, psychological pressures we put on ourselves. When in actual fact, it, it can be quite simple if broken down into certain you know, things. We'll go with things. <laughs> so, <laughs> fully aware that made no sense, but. <laughs> He's got um, to him. <laughs> yeah. That's it. We've, we've hit the hour mark and I've collapsed. Um, <laughs> so me and my golf posted it on their Instagram on Sunday. And again, it got, it got whacked straight in our group. Uh, I know we all, we all follow them and appreciate them. The golf coaches. So in terms of the coaching side, they're far better qualified than us. Um, I think we were all kind of fairly surprised, actually, at the amateur stats. Um, so I'll read out the three and then kind of find out where both of you two sit within these uh, and kind of feel like how you interpret them and then understand them for your own game. So the stats. um, First one, six is considered to be the number of pars needed per round to help shoot 85. And I Mm -hmm. think everyone could probably hold their hand up feeling guilty trying to par 
all 18 holes. I think I'm <laughs> guilty of that one. Always turn up thinking, right, par every hole, job done, easy. So to break 85, think that, you know, that's that's a huge goal. That's that's a big milestone. Starting to get towards that big number 80. Just six, which is considered to be the number of pars needed. Um, stat number two. 55% is considered to be the amount of fairways and regulation needed to be hit to regularly score in the 80s. Phil Mickelson. I was just about to say Phil Mickelson. <laughs> He's, he has won multiple, multiple tournaments. But again, we're, we're talking about amateurs here. Now, 55% would, you know, we'll, we'll come back to these in a sec to find out you know, where you sit with these. Um, but again, that should then affect your decision-making off the tee. And I think everyone gets disappointed at binning a driver, whether it be a little bit off or a fair wheel. Um, pardon the pun. Uh, but 55% is actually is a bit lower than what I... Actually, way lower than I thought. To regularly yeah. be, yeah. you know, subscribing in the 80s. And then the stat number three, which is <laughs> the one which I... And I had a little giggle at myself because I regularly shoot more than this. Uh, 29 to 31 putts per round are considered to be what's needed to regularly score in the 70s. Now, the mm-hmm. 70s, um, it, I don't know, you know listening to this, we, we have a wide range of golfers. That the 70s, it's going to be a fair way off. But for a, for some people, it's going to be a reachable target at the moment. And that gives us, not definitive proof, but it gives us at least a target number. So that if you know, for me, for instance, I think I've been averaging 34, four putts around the last five rounds, I know for me that that's an immediate um, target. Um, that was jumped straight out for me. So I know that's uh, something I need to be working on. Um, right, going back up to the top. Okay, Mr. Wright, six. Considered to be number of pars needed per round to help shoot 85. What were your thoughts on that when that came out? And kind of where do you sit within that? Yeah, 100% got me thinking because I was like, I play off 12. So, it, well, theoretically, I play off 12. Um, which quite literally, which quite literally means I need I need six pars. That's quite literally my handicap. I need six pars around, and the rest can be bogeys. And I'm definitely guilty of approaching now every hole thinking, how do I par it? And I it, honestly, it got me to the point of okay, it's not that I don't want to par a hole, but I know that on instead of thinking, oh, I've I've, I've got to par this one. I'm now thinking, hmm, actually, I get an extra shot on 12 holes. How am I best going to use them? Um, my biggest problem, <laughs> my biggest problem links into stat number two, the fairways hit one. Yeah. Um, in that my fairways hit is, I don't know the actual percentage. My problem with not hitting fairways is I, the, when I don't hit a fairway, I don't give myself a second shot. <laughs> yes, yeah, so, often a lost ball. Yeah, well, either lost lost ball or position-wise, I don't have a shot at the green. And I think, again, I should be stepping up onto the tee box and thinking, okay, if I hit a bad driver, where does it leave me? Versus if I hit a bad three hybrid and it's the same direction, it's the same bad shot, where does it leave me? Because often I hit a driver and I'm on the left, say, I'm on the left and I'm behind a tree. Whereas if I took a three hybrid, I'm now still behind the tree, but I'm 30 yards back and have an actual shot round. I can actually get up much closer to the green to give myself a chip on or whatever, instead of just coming out sideways. So I think for me, 
it's not just fairways hit. It's for me, it's fairways hit or not hit, but giving myself a second shot was my real kind of thing that I think I need to improve on, if that makes sense. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm off the tee is huge for me and, and not approaching everything as I need to par it, I think is a big thing for me. But I think it's just difficult because I, I want to get into single figures. That, that's the long-term goal. And that, that even then you're like, well, actually, that's only nine pars around, only only nine pars, but that's nine pars. You still allowed bogeys on the other nine. So I, that for me is a that for me helped create a bit of a mindset shift, to be honest with you. And because you kind of took it and run with it, you did do one and two. Um, number three, we'll stick with you, Mister Right. Uh, the twenty nine thirty one parts. Give me some stats, mate. I'll put you on the spot here. Do you actually know how many parts you're averaging at the moment? I recently poorly as i think me and tim spoke about when we played at that course that had sand for greens <laughs> i think so that was 40 if i remember rightly 41 putts yeah um, you can scratch that one off if you're putting yeah, above but, but 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 to be fair in recent rounds it's been 36 plus it's been 36 37 38 i think on one of them and when my handicap was dramatic like coming down quickly i had a couple of 29s, but lots of 31s. And I'd always think if my putting's on form, I know I can score score really well. Um, so yeah, has been has been down at that 30 mark relatively consistently as well. Um, but I also sometimes wonder whether that's because, and I don't know the stats on this, but whether my short game or my approach game was worse so I was approaching missing and then chipping on and one putting which is still good I'm fine with that whereas if my longer game has improved I'm hitting more greens but I put myself miles away <laughs> from the hole and I'm now like two and three putting um but yeah I I totally see that I see that in my game I know I full well know that I can save five shots easy just on putting and I'm playing theoretically playing to 12 but not and how many times have you broken 80 to score in the 70s? Twice. Twice. On, on I'm going to say relatively easy courses, though. Okay. Right. Okay, Mr. Williams, going back up to the top, uh, number one. Yep. Six, considered to be number of pars per round. Kind of thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. Mindset, now that you've found that out, is that changing the mindset on the course? Not really, in the sense that... My the way I approach things at the moment is that if I have a bad hole, let's say I blob a hole, for me right now, I've come to the 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 mindset which is that's fine. You can you can you can score, you you can get your 36 points with a blob. I mean, the 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 proof of this was when Chris and I went out um a few weeks ago. So I shot I believe trying to remember what it was. I think I shot an 86 and it was, it was like 37, 38 points. Um, I had two blobs on that round. So quite clearly, you know, I can blob and still play pretty well because on that particular round, um, I mean, admittedly I, I did play quite well. Um, but I mean, I, after I'd blobs one, I parred the next one. So you've always got a tra- chance to do that. And it's been more of a case of don't lose your head. If you, if you have a bad hole, the, where my handicap, is right now i've still got shots to use and it's more about getting to the point around okay let's think about the shots you need to use and fine you might have 
you might have not scored on that one, but ultimately all you need to do is, you know, literally par the, if you par two after this, you're back to where you needed to be, right? Yeah. That, that could be the mindset. So that's what I've taken forward. Um, the extra dimension for me that I've been looking at is my scoring on par threes versus par fours and par fives. Mm-hmm. Um, I need I need to start, start scoring better on par threes, quite frankly. Um, so that that in itself is right now that's probably more of a prevalent thought to me in terms of Im- improving and what I need to work on more than how many pars in a round I make. Um, because if I look I've, I've, if I look at the average score I get on a par three versus four and five, I'm I'm scoring better on par fours and par five. So clearly there's something I need to it's it's, it's probably an approach problem that I need to kind of or an approach situation I need to get better at. But that's great. I know that. Um, which is cool. Um, fairway, um, driver in play. I'm, I'm pretty happy with where I am at the moment. I think looking at averages, I'm usually around, I think I'm usually around 65, 65 to 69% fairways hit. Um, that's probably taken a bash over the last few weeks whilst I was having a little bit of a falling out with the driver, but um, it's come back <laughs> fine. Um, and the final one, putting simply has has to get better. Um, my average is about thirty-seven putts around, which is just too many. It is just oh, you cannot. That cannot average be based really on good. the last 20, 50, 10 rounds. How many uh, rounds? Uh, that's, that's in the last. That's in the last five rounds. Okay. And I get. I mean, again, my, the eighty-six I shot, I had forty-one putts that day. I mean, there's, there's so a lot of weird things going on in my that's game that nuts. day. That's um, but yeah, thirty-seven plus is is too many. But look, this is great, right? This how how good is this for feedback on what you need to be working on and what oh. you need to improve on? I mean, that, fr- from that, yeah. literally, it's like right, okay. Going back to what we were saying earlier, I know I've got I know I've got potential to par holes. That's not a problem. I've I've got that written down. I know I can do that. What's okay now? Let's focus on what's stopping me from doing it a bit more often. Okay. F- I'm not scoring that brilliantly on par threes. Okay, that's what I need to work on. That suggests an approach problem or a, or a probably a mid-iron accuracy problem and putting. Brilliant. Now that I know those two things, that's what I work on. And hopefully that will that'll uh, help me get that handicap down at last. Well, what about you, fellas? Yeah, I mean, I, I had a quick look. I was chatting a little bit of waffle. It was, it's not averaging 34 parts. It's averaging 35, so it's not kind of much worse. But I had a look. Um, Last 20, 35, last five, pretty much exactly the same. Needless to say, my best ever round when we spoke about it last weekend, you know, you lot heard about it for a very long time because I couldn't stop talking about it. Um, <laughs> lo and behold, I, I shot 31 putts. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's kind of no surprise. I felt good with the putt of that day. You know, it's not kind of always the case or ever the case for that matter. Um, I've broken 70 just the once. Could and should have been second time last week had I not doubled the last um I had a look at the, the the big one for me was actually number two because I do regularly score in the 80s um 85 is probably about average for me 85 86 um so and I'm typically confident really confident of the team that's where I feel like it, it's a strength so over the past 20 rounds my hit the fairway was actually 65 percent so that kind of you know, it checks out there. 
And the last five, I kind of feel like I've been pretty good off the tee. Didn't think I've been that bad. Um, I've actually only hit 51% of fairways. So that's okay. something that last five, no idea where that trend has come from. It's probably going to give me a, a real mental kick up the arse the next time I go to the course. I'm going to be pretty fragile on the tee. But um, last 20 overall, pretty happy. I suppose 15 before the last five it pushes that 65% up a bit. And I'm very, very guilty like you were saying uh, a second ago, Tim, about, right, you have a bad hole, reset, go again. You know, you boys have called me crybaby foulest for a substantial period of time now. Um, <laughs> it's probably no surprise that if I have a bad hole, it typically turns into two, three. Um, that's been put in the closet and, and has disappeared for a, a few weeks now. <laughs> Not much of an achievement, but uh, quite a few rounds. I've been, like, like I've been pretty good. Two and good a half weeks? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, at least at least at least two weeks. Um, so it has meant that um, I don't know. I am I think playing better because of it because I am letting go of things a little bit better. I have noticed a big shift since the podcast with James. Like it did make a massive difference. It has made a massive difference to the game. And it's no surprise that I went and hit. You know, went and played really well and hit my best of around last weekend. And I think it was one of those. It's it's building because I did blob. I think it was like the fourteenth, fifteenth last weekend. I knew I was on for a score, and typically it was a very short par four. Blobbed it, I hit one awful shot, but managed to get rid of it. Next hole, scored three points. So it was one of those. That's kind of kind of confirmation of that. I am very guilty though of turning up thinking I'm going to par every hole today, um, and I will always think like, what's the player that's going to get me in the best position to make the par, rather than, yeah, okay, this is a stroke index one. It's a long par four. You know, let's just play it as like a par five, take my two points and, and walk away with it. I'm always like, no, yeah. let's go for it. Big stick. Yeah, we'll hit a six <laughs> six iron into the green, like Morikawa does, stop it on a sixpence, two par <laughs> par. Nice. Um that I think I Triple don't know where walking off with I don't know whether I'm ever gonna be able to get rid of that, but we <laughs> we'll say we're we're working on it. So yeah, it's there's kind of three stats that, that may help people Kind of with their round of golf, because as we we've alluded to tonight, it's golf is as much a mental game as it, as it is a physical. I will tell you what, there was a moment on um, Saturday where me and Callum were talking. It's a par five. Bear in mind the fairways are baked out, like the ball's going to roll. And I was literally sat there, driver in hand, thinking I could literally take six iron, six iron gap wedge and still be on the green why have I got driver in my hand uh, I obviously still took driver and spooned it off to the right and lost the ball so um, <laughs> the, that is that is for me where I should if I look at that and go it's literally six iron six iron wedge I should do six iron six iron wedge and, and go like that for me is where I need to like just be disciplined yeah, I mean, bakes out fairways are good for the long drive stats, though, aren't yeah, they? Correct. And I was thinking in my head, I was like, I'll be on the green in two, eagle opportunity. Eagle up, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Eagle up. Obviously, it's, it's, it's basically it's, it's a given. You'll make an eagle, you take the driver out, easy. I'm on. Easy, easy. How, how many, just out of interest, how many career eagles have you got, right? One. One. Tim, have you got any? Uh, I've definitely got one. Let me have a look. On stats, yeah. you've put well, I think I have two. Well, I think I um, have two, but on any like reasonable par five, I still step up and think, oh, 
Yeah, man, this this fairway's quite baked out. We're we're definitely making eagle here. Unbelievable scene. Fair play. Right, chaps. Have you got anything else to add? No. We've that. we've we've done well there today. Yeah, I, I love love that one tonight. Um good work. Yeah, can, I, can I throw in one one thing just quickly cool. about events? Go. We've got um, it's awesome. People in the Sunday Red community have started um, connecting with me and asking if they can run golf days and stuff. So we've got um, golf days being just to kind of tease everybody. The ones that are organised, we've got Sussex one coming up this weekend. I mentioned that one already. Um, we've been I've been challenged to a Surrey versus Sussex match. We will be releasing details about that soon. Uh, we've got um, up in the northwest of England. We've got um, several events being planned. We've got an Essex one being planned, Leeds being planned, Glasgow being planned, South Wales being planned. So there's golf days being planned all over the place. If you're listening to this, thinking, "Hell yes, I want to get to a golf day with these guys," make sure you're either in the group or on on our email list. So that's where I'll let everyone know about the upcoming events. Um, so you'll find out about all the information about those but they're being set up by people within the community which is which is absolutely incredible and absolutely um, I absolutely love that it's fantastic so super excited about that and we've also got Jamie Donaldson coming for an aim putt aim putt aim point putting workshop uh, in like a week and a half at Bletchingley Golf Club so super excited about that so all about making more putts we've been speaking about today about putting needing to be key uh it's all the aim point system which you'd have seen it with the pros on the tour where they stand over their ball and they have their arm out with one finger or two fingers or three fingers and looking at the hole that's the aim point system that's what he's going to be teaching us about reading greens reading slopes uh, and it's all to do with so my understanding is as amateurs this is a quick tip for you as amateurs most of the time with putts we miss them on the low side so they net the ball never had a chance of going in so we don't read enough break in the green. We just assume it's not as much and we always miss low. The aim point system is to help us understand, okay, what actually is the, the curve that you need to be aiming for and be missing putts high if you're going to miss them or obviously putting them in the hole. Um, so that's the system that we're going to be uh, taught at Bletchley on Friday. can't remember the date in like a week, whatever. The, can't remember. I'll put the date. I'll put the dates on the social media post. You'll see it. Um, and the info is going out in tomorrow in an email anyway. So, yeah, if you want to get involved in events, get on the email list. Make sure you're in the group. Nice. Right. That about wraps up. Good round, lads. Good round. Thoroughly enjoyed so that. Definitely the longest one ever. If not, it's going to be very close. <laughs> right. Thanks, okay. guys. Catch you later, guys. Catch you later. See you soon. Thank you for tuning in, guys. We really appreciate your support. If you did love this episode, we'd love it if you would subscribe and leave us a great review to help us reach more golf nuts like yourself. Today's episode was brought to you by Tour Champ. If you want to create your own equivalent of the race to Dubai so you can have bragging rights over all of your mates, please visit tourchamp.co and set up your league today. Today was also brought to you by Sunday Red Golf, the best golf club in the world. To find out more information about all of our awesome events and to join the club for free, please visit sundayredgolf.co.uk.